Hello again. As I said before, I'm Doug Moss, one of the pastors here. And as we begin tonight, I just pray that God's grace, peace, and mercy would be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For these midweek services, we're continuing in this series where we let Jesus speak for himself and and we look at key I am statements that Jesus made uh, and see what they mean for us, what they meant for him as, as who he was and what they mean for us as people who follow him today. So, Let's dive right into it. If you have your Bible or if you have your phone, uh, we're in John chapter 8, verse 12, and I encourage you to open up to that. Um, Normally, I'd be able to tell you uh, what page number it was in your Bible, but um, I usually rely on the screens to tell me what page it is in on the Bible. Um, So just know it's in John, which is, you know, after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and before Revelation, and hopefully that's enough for you to get started. Uh, So John chapter 8, verse 12, one of the key I am statements of Jesus. And if you're still turning there, that's fine. Just follow along. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. But Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father, they asked. Jesus answered, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. As we start, I've got obviously a few thoughts about this passage, which is part of what they pay me to do. But before I dive into those thoughts, I want to give you a few minutes uh, because as we, we say and talk about, these services are different. I want to give you some time to reflect, to take these words of Jesus and think about what they mean to you and what they mean in your life. Uh, and so here's the question I'd like you to ask. And so again, you should have gotten this card on your way in. There are pens in the seats uh, around you and in front of you. Uh, and, and I've got something I'd like you to ponder for a few minutes. And, and this is what I'd like you to ask. Jesus says he is the light of the world. So what kind of light is he to you? What, what kind of light makes sense to you? There are a lot of different variations of light. There's different kinds of lights. What kind of light is Jesus to you? And why do you think he's that kind of light to you? And what does that mean for you as someone who follows him? What, how does that play out for him to be that kind of light? All right, so this is the question I'd like you to wrestle with. What kind of light is Jesus to you? Why do you think that that's the kind of light? And how does that apply for you as someone who is trying to follow that light? So go ahead and take a few minutes and think about that. So just to give you a little insight into the pastor's process, this is the question I start, started with as I looked at this text. The difference is you guys had three minutes to think about it, and I've had a week to think about it. So 
so with that week's worth of extra pondering, I, I want to share with you some of, the, some of the thoughts and the metaphors that I ran with and explored this week. And, and hopefully those thoughts and, and metaphors will connect and land with you in ways that are meaningful in your own relationship and connection with Jesus as the light for your path. And so I'll start by telling you a, a story I heard when I was a young kid, teenager. I heard this story about a man who woke up in the middle of the night and, and was hungry, didn't want to turn on the lights, and, and so just you know, stumbled into the kitchen, grabbed an apple, and brought it back to his bed and started eating the apple. And about halfway through the apple, he, he noticed that, that something seemed off or weird. And so, so bleary-eyed, you know, he, he reached over, turned on the bedroom light, and saw that this apple that he'd half-eaten was covered in maggots and worms. And, and after looking at it for a second and thinking about what to do, he reached over, turned the light back off, and then went back to eating the apple. <laughs> and I remember hearing that story as a teenager and thinking it was funny, but also thinking that it was stupid. Uh, th- thinking, you know, that, that for all that that sounds like a funny thing, there's no one in real life that would do that. But, but I have to confess with you that, that now that I'm in my 30s, I, I've realized that the idealism of my teenage days, I do that now all the time. <laughs> we, we call it the inconvenient truth, right? Like this moment where the light shines itself on something about you or your behavior, and it's not good, it's not pretty, but frankly, it would be harder to deal with that reality. It would be harder to fix the thing. And it's much easier in those moments to just turn the light off and go back to your state of ignorance, right? Uh, especially having kids. I feel like, you know, when, when you lose sleep, the first thing to go is willpower after you lose sleep. And, because it, and, and you look at something and you think, boy, I could fix this or I could just pretend that I never saw it in the first place. And... And so for me, the, the metaphor there is this idea of the bedroom lamp, right? This thing that you can turn off, turn on, but then also turn off as is convenient to you, right? So it's, it's useful when you need it, when you don't want to stumble in the dark or, or stub your toe on something. But the moment it gets too personal or shows you something you'd rather not see, well, then you just turn it off and, and you can go on peacefully with your life. And if I'm being honest with myself, I know that sometimes I use the light of the world, Jesus, that way. That I, I like him as long as he's showing me things in a helpful way, not so much when he's showing me things that reveal stuff I'd rather just not even have to face about myself. The second metaphor that came to mind for me this week is, is this metaphor uh, of the light that is the interrogator's lamp, right? You've all seen that, like, you know, the FBI or, or the police, you know, and they've got the suspect in custody and, and they're shining that light bulb at the perp, right? And, and they're gonna get to the truth and they're gonna expose every lie, every crime, everything this person's ever done. They're gonna shine that light on that person and reveal the full truth of what they're doing. And I've always liked that metaphor because I, I, I'm very much a person that's about justice and, and so I want to you know, get to the bottom of things and, and crimes uh, and, and I want to like, you know, expose wrongdoing and people who are doing bad stuff in this world. And so I like that image you know, that, that there's this light, this interrogator lamp that I can shine on you and I can then expose everything that's wrong in your life. But again, as I've grown up and gotten away from some of my idealism of my younger days, 
a thought occurred to me that, that I hadn't thought about as a kid, which is this. If you can picture that scene in the movie or the TV show, whatever it is, where, where the, you know, the FBI agent is shining the light, the, the light is very blind, you know, bright on the person that's being interviewed. But what does that light show about the person who's doing the interviewing? Nothing. Right? Like when you, when you picture that scene, all the light and the focus is on the, you know, the perp or the suspect, and none of it is on the investigator. Their face is in shadow, and in fact, that's usually on purpose, right? Because it adds to the, to the element of the interrogation. Like, oh, you can't even see me. I'm in the dark. I'm in shadow. You're the one who's under investigation. You're the one whose light uh, is shining uh, you know, in every crack and crevice of your life. And how damaging is that for the investigator? Is my question. If you're spending your life shining the light on other people and their crimes and sins, and you can conveniently stay in the dark with no light shining on you, what does that do to you? And as I look at, I think we'd all agree that that Christianity is at kind of a crossroads turning point in our country. I think this explains why we have some of the irrelevance that we have. I don't think it's because we've watered down things or that we're not standing for moral truths. I think it's that we've gotten so used to being the investigator that gets to shine the light on everybody else that we forget that that leaves us in darkness, and, and, and who knows what things go on in the darkness. And then not only that, but what it models for this world, this broken, dark world that needs light, that needs a savior, that, that needs someone like Jesus, what it models for them is not that Jesus is the light of the world who's going to lead them to life. What it models for them is that the way we use light is as an offensive weapon that is never turned back upon the person who holds it themselves. And I think the world has actually learned from us. I think as we see some of the ways that Christianity is engaging with the culture and the way culture is engaging back, I think they're actually using the very models and tools that we used at them, and we're not liking it so much. You know, I saw a lot of um, boycotting of the Oscars this week, you know, and people saying, you know, if I wanted to hear a sermon, I'd go to church. And thankfully, we have people here who do go to church. I know that you, you actually are okay hearing sermons. Uh, and, and yet, what, what I saw happening was not necessarily this moment where, uh, oh, these hypocritical Hollywood people are telling us what to do and we don't like it or, or we're going to hold up their own hypocrisy. What, what I saw in this moment was they were using the investigator lamp on us and it didn't feel so good being on the receiving side. And yet there's only so much we can do if all we do is shine an investigator lamp. We're not making it that, you know, here's the thing about that FBI suspect interaction. It doesn't make the suspect better. It doesn't bring him out of a life of crime into a life of light. Uh, All it does is separate the gap between the investigator and the suspect. So there's no life change on either side. And as we're finding out in this day of information and WikiLeaks and, and, and leaked everything, you know, dossiers and emails, is that when you start looking at the investigator, it doesn't look too good. And so if we are positioning ourselves as the investigators, we're actually setting ourselves up to be called out in really bad and, and, and ways that are not what, what we would like to do or the influence and impact we'd like to make. 
And so then finally I landed on a third metaphor and, and this is the one that I think is where I, I hope to stand and be. And, and I'll just tell you, I can't take credit for, my, for it myself. I, I got it from the Bible. Um, but Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, reflects on the light of God. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he, he says this, and, and this is so important. Uh, verse 5, he says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We, and, and let me just pause there for a second. We don't preach ourselves. See, this is the problem with the bedside lamp, is that ultimately it, it's about us and what things in our lives are, are ugly or, or would rather be unseen. Or if we're the ones shining the investigator's lamp, then again, it's about us calling someone out and holding them to a standard that, that we supposedly have for them. But, but as Paul says, we don't preach ourselves. What we preach is that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. We're the world's servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And so we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And so the, the metaphor that I've landed on is that we ourselves are the lamp. We are the lamp. When Paul talks about fragile jars of clay, that's, that's their version of a lampshade. They didn't have lampshades. They didn't have polymer fibers and things like that in those days. You, know, that you, you put the light in a clay pot, and from that pot, the light shone. And he said that we ourselves are the clay pot. We ourselves are the lampshade. And Christ is the light that shines from within our hearts. And this isn't just any light. This is the light of all creation. This is the God who said, let there be light. And with a word, he created everything that is, was, and ever will be. With a word, he created you and me and every one of us. And that same God who spoke light into the universe speaks his light into our hearts. Which means that same life-giving force is active deep down inside in the core of us. Which is, first of all, amazing that God would take his power and use it to fill us up. But secondly, it shows us something about the nature of what light in our lives should be like. See, here's the thing. If we're the lampshades, that means the light has to come out through us first. It means that we become the thing that either obscures or diffuses the light. You see, a naked bulb is blinding and bright, like that interrogator's lamp. A naked bulb makes it so you can't actually see at all. But when you diffuse it with something that's clear and transparent, suddenly that same thing that would have been blinding and piercing now can illuminate an entire room. And so we ourselves, if we see this light in us and we let it shine through us, then it actually becomes a thing that wipes away our own darkness. It forces us to confront anything in us that might keep that light from shining. And then when we do it, when it shines out through us, when we see ourselves as the medium of God's light of creation, then it illuminates the world for all those around us. It becomes a light not of, of harshness and judgment. It becomes a light that actually can light a path and show someone the way to go. 
What I think is so interesting, you might not have caught it the first time through, but in John 8, in this midst of this talk about being the light of the world, Jesus goes off on what feels like this tangent about judgment. And he says, I didn't come to judge. But what's amazing is that if there was anyone who could judge, it's Jesus himself, and yet he doesn't. He instead positions himself as this light of the world that leads to life. And so that helps me as I understand this because, again, it's so tempting for me to see myself as the person who's shining the light in other people's dark places so that I can judge them. But if instead I see the light as this life-giving source that's inside me that is looking to shine in all directions to illuminate both my life and my heart and to make me a life-giver the same way God is, but then also to illuminate the world of those around me, then I no longer have the burden of trying to judge or be a spotlight, but I now have the joy and the privilege of being a guide to those who still live in darkness. My prayer as I, as I worked through this text, as I got to the end of it, was, was the prayer that I, that God would use me as his lamp, that I would be his lamp shade that would diffuse his light and spread it to those around me so that people would be delighted at the light they saw from me. That it would become this thing of joy that would lead them forward and that they would, like a, pers- like a prisoner in darkness, that when they see the light, they want it so desperately, they run towards it because they know that in this light there is safety and hope and life. And then I also pray that he would keep me from the light of judgment that is so tempting and easy to wield against others. So tempting and easy to turn off when I would rather it not shine on myself. But that his light would shine in my heart and by it I would help lead others to the life that comes only from Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand and pray with me? Lord God, I thank you that you sent your son into the world, not to condemn the world or judge the world, but to be a light in darkness, to lead each and every one of us here out of a path that would have ended in darkness and death, but to lead us to life that comes with you. Lord, I ask that you would fan into flame that light in each and every one of our hearts, that you would create in every person here a flame that would light the way for all those who are hurting and broken and lost in this dark world. Lord, we are not only your servants, but we are your children. And we ask that you would use us who have received your light to be a guide and a hope for all those who are blind and dark around us. We pray this in your holy name.